don't have necessarily always super concrete plans. I tend to have one or two core goals. I want to write a book. I want to release a course. But the rest of it, I'm kind of going to go with the flow a little bit and see where my energy takes me. It's one of the benefits of living a laptop lifestyle. Hey, this is Yarrow. So before I press play on today's episode of the EJ Podcast, I want to make sure you don't miss out on any of the future episodes I release. Go to interviewsclub.com and there you can find a page where you can enter your email address to sign up for updates of whenever we release a new episode. You'll get an email so you'll always know and have the latest episodes as soon as they are released. That's interviewsclub.com. Now here is today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. This is Yarrow and welcome to an EJ podcast solo edition. This is in fact number seven of the solo episodes that I've been doing a little bit more frequently uh, this year, 2017, as the year comes to a close, which is actually the topic for today's podcast episode. I have to thank uh, Manny, who's a member inside uh, my Laptop Lifestyle Academy and has taken my blog mastermind program as well and has done some private coaching with me. He's, he's done everything you can with me. And we were uh, chatting in Facebook, I believe, and he suggested doing a podcast to wrap up the year. And in particular, it was in response to a post I did in Facebook about how money has been a little bit different for me this year because of uh, some changes, because of cryptocurrency investing, uh, because of some changes in my business direction, new businesses. So I'm going to look at all of that this episode today. This is really a year in review for everything going on behind the scenes and in the public for basically me. It's going to be about my businesses. It's about my investments. It's about my travels everything going on. And if you're interested in online business, laptop lifestyle, I'm sure you will find this very interesting. And of course, if you're a Yarrow fan, I love you. And uh, thank you for following me. And I'm sure you'll really get a lot out of this. So let's dive in. There is a lot to cover. I've written down 14 notes. A lot happened this year. And a lot of it was really unexpected. So this is going to be uh, fun for me to talk about too. So first of all, a little preamble to go back to the start of this year and, and how I, uh, what I expected to happen this year. I, I didn't have super concrete plans beyond one specific thing. I knew I was going to be releasing a, a new course and a short course called Services Arbitrage uh, as part of the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. So a little bit of background behind that strategy. This is something I, I really began in, uh, I guess, 2015, 16. So those years are when my old membership site turned into the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. We did a huge revamp. A lot of new content went in there, a lot of new features, new software platform with Envision Board. And also part of all of that was a new strategy to have the Laptop Lifestyle Academy be a place where I can release new courses without having to do full-blown launch campaigns for them. So the contrast there is in the past, whenever I released a product, especially a big course or a short course and even an ebook, it requires a sales page. And if you've ever done a sales page before, you know how long they can be. And I do long ones. I do proper long form sales pages even for you know my $50 ebooks they're quite long pages and I've written them all myself all the copy uh, is basically mine there's a bit of copy in blog mastermind that came from some old pages written by other people but everything else it's it's all my words so you know I spend half my time creating the product and half my time creating the the sales page the launch materials and all of that with the new strategy, I wanted to basically have a central hub for most of my training in the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. So a membership site with all the standard features, coaching with me, uh, live chat with Slack, with a forum, lots of uh, training programs, resources. So all of that's in the Academy. But I also wanted to be able to use the Academy as a place to release new training and get a couple of benefits. So the first thing it does is it allows me to keep updating the current members with new training and give them uh, fresh resources on an ongoing basis. So it's not just, you know, pay once, here's what you get, you're done. It's continuing support. It's continuing new training. And uh, it also and this is what I liked about it, it gave me a way to teach new things without having to put in as much effort 
to, to do a whole launch. So I can still do a launch, but essentially I'm using the Laptop Lifestyle Academy sales page just with a few slight modifications. And we're selling all the benefits of the Laptop Lifestyle Academy, but the main hook of a launch is the new training. So with Services Arbitrage, a new course I was releasing uh, in the start of this year, that was the plan to test the theory. In fact, that was the first real big test of this theory, uh, basically selling an existing product, but using a new course as a launch pad to get new members. And it's a way to grow my membership, obviously, as well. Now, Services Arbitrage was actually something special for me because it was the first time, and I'd, <laughs> I've had this on my to-do list for probably about six or seven years. I've wanted to teach a course on everything I did with my first successful, you know, proper uh, full-time income business, which was BetterEdit.com, my essay editing business. Now, long-term entrepreneurs, journey readers will know that that business was really the starting point for much of the writing, uh, along with my, my old card game shop for uh, Magic the Gathering. Those two businesses, those two websites were the starting points for a lot of the ideas, the experiences, the content that went into EJ. So Services Arbitrage was my chance to finally, I guess, fulfill on this promise I made to myself to teach that business model, which I decided to call Services Arbitrage, which essentially, mean, essentially means connecting two groups of people some kind of service suppliers and then the customers with you being the middle person in between those two. So I had an essay editing business connecting contractors who did essay editing and they were academic specialists of academic writing with university students usually who had a sing, uh, English as a second language. And I built the website, did the marketing, and I took a, basically a 50% fee of every job done. So the idea is that model can be applied to all kinds of services. And in fact, in that course, we feature some other people who are doing things like transcription services, video editing services, but they're middlemen or middlewomen. So they're offering these services, but it's their business offering them, and they're hiring contractors to do that. So I wanted to basically spill the beans on everything I did with Better Edit to get customers, the evolution of that business, the pricing models, how it worked. And I was very excited to teach that course. But in the past, you see, my plan was to release that as a big course and, you know, do a full-blown launch, a dedicated sales page. And as the years went by, it kept getting put on the back burner. So when I decided to switch to this strategy of basically releasing short courses within Laptop Lifestyle Academy, this looked like the perfect way to finally get that better edit teaching out the door. So at the start of this year, to pretty much end this little story, I actually finally did that launch, released the course. Uh, it's a two-part course with some bonuses, interviews with some other people who have done services, arbitrage businesses. And it was fantastic. It was a great launch. Uh, I, I loved getting that course out the door. I love that everyone in the Laptop Lifestyle Academy has ongoing access to it. And what I really love about it, it teaches a different business model to what most people know me for. Most people know me as a blogger who sells courses and eBooks, has an email list, and you know, let's be frank, that's what a lot of people do online today. We basically have you know, a successful blog teaching marketing and business advice, and then we have courses and eBooks and coaching. But that's not where I got my start. So I wanted to present this opportunity, which I still wholeheartedly see as an opportunity today for people to get into still. This is a business model. In fact, <laughs> this is something I won't be covering in this podcast because it's only just starting to happen now, but we're actually going through the process of starting a new services arbitrage business right now in my business as a, a sort of incubated uh, project. It may or may not succeed, but it's just proof that this services arbitrage business model still works. And I think it will always work because people always need services. And that course shows you how you can position a services business to survive and thrive to really build a great business. So that was something that was on my cards to release this year. Beyond that, I didn't have any solid plans besides expecting to probably do one other launch new product in later in the year. I, I seem to find myself doing two, one at the start of the year, one towards the middle back end of the year. 
My original thoughts, though, were to release flagship course formula, which is going to be the 2.0 version of my membership site Mastermind course, which oh so many years ago was essentially the sequel to Blog Mastermind, but it focused on the next level. So once you've built a successful blog, how to actually do a proper product launch of a membership site or a course. Now, I've really had more experience with courses than membership sites. So I wanted to change the name to flagship course formula and really focus on the idea of selling a flagship course. But it's pretty much the same as selling a membership site. The idea would be how to sell a high-end product to an audience you've built probably through content, through blogging, podcasting, YouTube. Now that's still on the cards for one day. I still want to get the, the, the updated version of that course out there. But that is a flagship course in itself. And that's something that takes a lot of work. I, I knew like just creating the new version of Blog Mastermind and the original version of Blog Mastermind and the original version of Membership Site Mastermind. Those are all flagship courses. Those are really three to four months worth of solid work on, on my behalf and with my team. Uh, maybe I could get it done in two to three if I, you know, really ramp up the, the way I produce the video content and, you know, do a few efficiency tricks. But regardless, it's a big job, big modules, lots of bonuses. It's a big topic, so I want to do a, a good job. That was something I was considering planning to do at the end of this year, 2017. Um, it's kind of overdue. I've had people asking me for it for a long time because I talk about it. I still kind of promote it in one of my old reports for Membership Site Mastermind. And let's face it, a lot of you out there want to do flagship courses and membership sites. It's a hugely popular topic. Some of my, my colleagues and competitors out there, they make their bread and butter teaching how to do online courses. People, you know, like Amy Porterfield, um, uh, I can't remember, there's a number of other people who, who teach the same thing. And uh, it's, it's a hot topic. So it will one day get out there, but it didn't happen this year. And it, as you, you'll hear throughout the rest of this podcast, there are reasons why. So that, that's kind of like the summary, the preamble here of how the year started. Uh, one other thing to mention, uh, my business this year was very much running on autopilot. So uh, as you probably know, if you're a fan of my work or a customer of mine, I have sort of two main products that are the main drivers of my, my cash flow, my revenue, which is Blog Mastermind, my flagship course, and the Laptop Lifestyle Academy, which I already talked about, which is a membership site. Both of those are uh, driven by launches, but also when they're not being launched, there are ways to join those courses uh, basically through either automated type campaigns, in the case of Blog Mastermind, or behind the scenes offer making through my email funnels. Now I'm not gonna dive into that kind of training. I cover a lot of that inside some of my training like in the Academy and in Blog Mastermind. But essentially that's all set up as well as lots of other email campaigns I've got running to sell my eBooks, my other courses and so on. So I started this year knowing that that is mostly working on autopilot. I didn't know how long it would continue, what kind of level of sales, but certainly in 2016, a lot of the, the effort I put in then was still benefiting me and I expect it to continue to benefit me because I created evergreen funnels and I built my business around this machine. So I knew that I'd have you know a fairly reliable amount of sales barring any major changes to my traffic or my conversion rates. So I was relaxed about what's gonna happen this year, gave me a lot of room to move to decide what to do to play around. Uh, but I did obviously want to continue to grow my business. So that's how the year started. So just to talk about something that maybe isn't quite so business related, at the beginning of the year, I also moved away from Canada. So I've basically been traveling nonstop since I left Australia in 2015, and it did not stop this year. I probably traveled this year more than uh, many, other, many years so far. And at the beginning of the year, I, I sold my townhouse in Toronto. I had bought a little townhouse, a little tiny little place in downtown Toronto. And I lived, well, I kind of lived there last year when I was in Toronto. I was there probably about maybe aggregate about six months. So half, half the time was there. Uh, but I decided to sell it because I decided I didn't want to live in Toronto long term. And the Toronto market was really hot. Like it was crazy, the growth. I, I ended up, um, you know, getting about 20% gain in the space of 12 months for, for selling a property, which is ridiculous, uh, but that's just the way the market has been in, in Canada 
um, and Australia too. Two of my homes both have crazy markets for property. Uh, plus, I've kind of been changing my mind about home ownership. I'm starting to realize, as you'll see, especially through this rest of this podcast, I'm kind of leaning away from uh, investment properties as the way I want to invest towards other things uh, that are a little bit you know, more quicker growth, really. I, I've been quite surprised to compare opportunities. So we'll cover that soon. Um, so I left Canada, sold my place and headed to Europe. And I haven't been in Europe for almost 10 years. So uh, that was a huge change, something I was excited to do. Uh, the initial catalyst for that was actually to go to Eurovision, uh, which was hosted in Ukraine, a country I've never been to and where my father is from, my fatherland. So that was uh, something I wanted to do. And, and that was part of the, the plan. But it was a bit of a last minute change to decide to do that. I was probably initially at the very start of the year thinking that Vancouver would be my home for this year, for that year after leaving Toronto uh, but I ended up in Europe uh, and that's kind of where I've spent most of my time this year now one other thing that happened at the start of this year which is definitely worth mentioning and this is kind of linking back to uh, what Manny and I were talking about uh, amongst other things was uh, cryptocurrencies so at the start of this year, uh, I was, and I have to thank some of my uh, contacts I made in Toronto, in particular, uh, Amir uh, Rosik, I think I'm getting his name, I'm not butchering that, let me just double check. Uh, Amir, I apologize in advance, I know your first name is right, but I'm um, not sure if that's the right last name. And Amir is hugely involved, yeah, Rosik or Rosik, in the cryptocurrency space. He runs or is a co-founder of Block Geeks, and I met him in person at some networking events, some dinners, uh, you know, good guy, smart guy, interesting guy, heavily involved in cryptocurrencies. And he opened my eyes to another part of crypto. So I knew about Bitcoin, which you probably know about as it's being talked about like crazy, especially now as I record this. Uh, uh, Bitcoin has been growing and, it, and it's been growing last year. I remember in 2016, the year before this, I watched that uh, rise and it was crazy to see uh, it go from like, I think it was under $100 to over 1000 and pushing 2000 So I kind of thought I missed the boat on those kind of gains, those 10x, 20x, or even more. If you bought in early enough, you could have got 1000x sort of gains. Uh, if you bought in the, the cents when they were, you know, Bitcoin was only 20 cents or 40 cents and so on. So I thought I missed the boat, but Amir told me and mentioned this other cryptocurrency called Ethereum. And it was something a little bit newer. It was kind of like, I guess, the next cryptocurrency in terms of uh, fame. People were starting to talk about it. And, it, you know, it, it had, a, a I guess, a, a good launch. And I started to watch it. And to go with the story, it's important I should mention something else, which is the eToro trading platform. So... Four years ago, I wanted to invest in Facebook and living in Australia, it's actually quite difficult to buy Facebook stock because it's not listed on the Australian stock exchange. So if you're using a local brokerage, an online brokerage, which is what I had, I had access to uh, you know, a ComSec, which is the Commonwealth Bank trading platform. It wasn't easy for me to just open it up and buy Facebook. And that was frustrating to me. So I went looking online for options uh, and it kind of went looking online for me because I remember seeing a Facebook ad, good old Facebook, for this platform called eToro. And it was presented as the world's first social trading platform. So I had a look to see what that was. And, and their, their kind of unique specialty, their positioning, USP, was the idea of being able to copy other traders. So you could sign up for eToro and look at all the other people using eToro. And if you liked a particular trader's uh, percentage gain, what they're doing, their philosophy, you could watch them for a while. You could actually press a copy button and invest whatever amount you want. And that money would then be copied. Uh, basically, you would invest what they'd invest and you could go up and down based on their performance. So it's kind of like hiring your own uh, broker without having to pay them anything. And, you know, you can monitor everyone on the platform to see how everyone's doing so that was interesting to me but more importantly was the ability to invest in facebook really easily so i signed up for eToro bought myself some facebook and that's kind of where it stopped I, you know i watched a little bit but i didn't get too involved because i was 
uh, not looking for investment opportunity as I was preparing to leave Australia. So, you know, different focus, getting my business grow, actually in the middle of growing my business. So that's where that's kind of ended. I, I checked in on eToro over the next two, three years, got a bit more involved with a few other companies, you know, bought some Amazon stock. I think I bought some Apple stock, I bought a few other uh, stocks. But this is the interesting part. At the start of this year, Bitcoin was already available on eToro and I thought I'd missed the boat, as I said earlier. But I think it was around February this year, and I noticed that just in March, they'd launched Ethereum onto eToro, and it was listed at $30. I think I missed it when it first launched. It launched at like $9 on eToro. Uh, but I noticed it at about the $30 pricing point. And after what Amir had talked about, I was very compelled to uh, you know, put some money down. And, and my thinking was, I guess, very beginnerish thinking, like a lot of people think if Bitcoin is currently worth 2000 or 1000 and Ethereum is only at $30, there's a lot of movement upwards there. Uh, it's kind of illogical thinking, but for some reason, you know, I guess the brain looks at it this way. It feels like it's a lot harder for something to move from, say, $2,000 in value to $4,000 in value to just double your returns, where if something is $30 in value, it only has to move to $60 in value to double your return. So, it, you know, it seems like that that's a much more likely, easier event. So getting in when something is new and lower priced is a good thing. That's true. You can't argue with that. Getting in early on something, you know, certainly Bitcoin ha can do amazing for you if, if, if what happens happens as it's happened with Bitcoin. Uh, but it's a bit of a fallacy there because it could be just as easy to go from 2000 to 4000 as it might be to go from 30 to 60 you know, assuming there's a demand for it and there's trading volume, it will just go up. So, and I've, as we've no doubt seen, if you've watched cryptocurrencies this year, a Bitcoin has, has gone through the roof. So I should have gotten in on Bitcoin at that point in time as well, but I just did Ethereum and it was a gamble. I, I put in some money I was expecting to lose. I think I started with maybe $20,000, uh, which may or may not be a lot of money to you, but I certainly had some spare cash to invest available. And uh, this is before I bought my my place in actually no i think i was living in my place in toronto at that time but I, I did have a bit of cash available to do that uh knowing that it could disappear you know they, it was throwaway money well no such thing as throwaway money but money that i wouldn't go and be really really upset if i lost and I, I've, I've invested in a few other things like you know a bit of angel investing a bit of behind the scenes investing but this is my first taste of cryptocurrencies and uh, yeah, it was great. Now, it was good timing because uh, Ethereum then went on a bit of a tear. Uh, I guess when I say a bit of a tear, it depends on your definition of growth, but it was certainly at the time very surprising to see something go from $30 to $50 to $60. And then I think it was hitting $90 within three or four months. It wasn't too long. I mean, I wasn't used to the whole cryptocurrency rise. This is my first experience of it. So you know, I'm suddenly finding myself from $20,000, I've got $60,000. And I think I put in a bit more money as it was going up to, um, you know, small parcels, because uh, it actually wasn't easy for me to get a lot of money in eToro at once either. So it kind of forced me to invest slowly, not necessarily a bad thing. So that was my first taste of in cryptocurrency investing. And, you know, things get a bit crazy. I'll talk about more later in this podcast. So uh, as we reach kind of like the second quarter of this year, I'm in Europe, I was kind of, uh, I was in Paris. Um, I was about to go to Ukraine, I think around May for the Eurovision. I invested in Ethereum and I did my services arbitrage launch. The other thing that we were working on behind the scenes with my team was actually expanding my team. So one of the things that I must mention with uh, my plans, uh, the one concrete plan I had for my future was actually for next year, 2018. And I had this plan even at the start of this year as I wanted to begin finally writing my book, which is called The Change Manifesto. You never know, it might change names, but I've had that domain name for a long time. And that was the plan to sit down and finally get a proper book done. I, I've, I know what I want to write. I've kind of half written it already in, in sort of blog posts and things like that. I've got the ideas. I just kept putting it off because I wanted to sit down and really focus on it, but I kept choosing to do like a new launch or I traveled too much or I worked with my team. My team, you know, we kept doing new things. So I said, no, hard stop, 2018, this is happening and I'm 
going to clear my obligations. Ironically, I've probably taken on more obligations, but we'll get to that in a moment. So one of the steps I plan to take this year to help me in 2018 was to grow my team and delegate more to them. So at the start of this year, with the the help of my my project manager, who was also my hiring manager, Laura, we did some hiring and we brought on, I'll give you a breakdown. We brought on a new podcast manager. We brought on a new content manager and another uh, couple of client care support team members. Now, this was good for my team. Took took a bit of work, a lot of work, Laura would tell you. Uh, It certainly upped our expenses. I think we probably added 40% more expenses to my business. So I wasn't too worried because, you know, we just grew the Laptop Lifestyle membership. I'm still selling on autopilot my flagship course through my funnels. Uh, You know, my products are selling. So we're not going to suddenly crash and burn, but it's certainly eating into our profit margins when you're, you know, adding four people to your team, not full-time employees, contractors. Uh, and that was a lot of work and that was laying the foundation for, you know, what we started to do now. Also, as part of the plan to help me kind of get away from the business and cover these expenses was to introduce a new traffic source and a new customer source. Uh, when I say new, I guess it's not new, you'll know it very well. We wanted to invest in some more Facebook advertising and, you know, really do a proper webinar campaign, which is something I've been working on for kind of two years on and off on webinar campaign. I already had my my free report, the blueprint sort of launch campaign. So we wanted to run some Facebook ads and just take that seriously. So I actually hired um, a specialist named Andrew, who's, uh, you know, very well known and does a lot of work for a lot of my colleagues behind the scenes. I think I was introduced to him through Navid Moaziz. He seems to introduce me to everyone. Uh, Navid is great for connecting with people. Um, And I know he does work behind the scenes for some marketers you probably know very well, but I probably shouldn't say who they are because I'm not my place to say. But Andrew came on board uh, to work with me. And we, you know, did a lot of work on media for Facebook ad campaigns, the tightening up and and basically rolling out a new evergreen webinar campaigns that took a bit of work. Uh, And, you know, I had a good converting webinar and it cost a lot of money. So I I think all up, I ended up adding another probably 6,000 to seven, 8,000 a month uh, in expenses. So, you know, my team has grown plus we're doing Facebook ads. So we're burning through the cash. Definitely not going to, it's going to hurt the margins. Definitely going to hurt the profit margins. You know, I've been used to in the past making 70% profit margins on my business because it's been a very small team and no no real ad buying. You know, it's all organic content, uh, growing the traffic, bringing in the customers. So that's great. You know, 70% margins are huge for most businesses. Online, obviously you get some benefits of selling digital products. My 70 cent margins were dropping quite a lot with my team growing as well as spending some Facebook ads. But it was part of the plan. It was the idea was to get the business running and growing without being based on me, new products, new launches and so on. So we kind of lay the groundwork for that. Now, that all was working well. But after about, I think, three months, so we're kind of getting towards the middle of this year. It was clear that the Facebook ad campaign, while kind of breaking even, it was always a little bit, you know, the one month was a bit up, another month might have been a bit down. It wasn't giving us like a huge growth bump like I was hoping. Not, not even huge. Like it would have been nice to see more customers come in the door. It didn't have to even be hugely profitable, but when you're spending $8,000 to really only bring in maybe four extra, five extra, or six extra customers, uh, which which means you do break even over the long run, it, it just doesn't move the needle enough. And I felt like we could use that money to move the needle in other places. So I ended up uh, putting a stop to that and told Andrew that I'd rather maybe, you know, try some other avenues to, to spend this money, especially if I'm personally going to be moving away from the business, we might have to be a little bit tighter with cash flow going forward. So let's, let's, I don't want to hire, fire all these people I just hired because <laughs> that would be like, you know, all the work we did to hire people and now we're letting them go within three months, four months. That was not, that would not be good. So unfortunately for Andrew, that was the first place where we kind of cut the costs with that after that campaign uh, didn't deliver what I wanted. And it's obviously the easiest area to assess your results because every month you're tracking your, how many new leads you get, how many new sales you get and how each campaign went. 
it was a good learning experience though to sort of see maybe where the weaknesses are in, in some of my evergreen campaigns uh, for paid traffic. They work reasonably well for my kind of existing customer base who know me, who might be reading my articles, but not so much for this, uh, I guess, shorter contact uh, time period with uh, with Facebook. So I probably, and I, I feel like this would be the, ant- the answer Andrew would say too, is I'd need to really go in and rework my campaigns do some more split testing. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to do that. I already spent enough time creating a whole new uh, webinar campaign. It was the second one, the second attempt at Evergreen. Creating a webinar is a lot of work. Creating lead-in materials, emails, I just didn't have it in me to do it again. Those campaigns were working okay for organic traffic. So we said goodbye to Facebook ads uh, for the time being. So we're kind of hitting the middle of the year now. Now at this point, um, I've invested more and more money into cryptocurrencies and I think I'm hitting like 200%, 300% gains and it's like blowing me away. Um, it's kind of, uh, I'm seeing more money come in from crypto than I'm actually seeing from my business and there's no expenses for crypto except for maybe, you know, three to 5% in transaction fees per trade. So it's, I'd say it's easy money. It's obviously gambling. I wouldn't expect to rely on it, but it did give me personally a sense of breathing room. I really felt like, okay, um, I can play around a bit more with the business because I, I don't need the business money to, to keep fueling my lifestyle for this year. It's, it's giving me, you know, I've got a lot of cash in the bank. Now I've got a lot of crypto in the bank. It's a, it's a buffer, a really safe, big one. So that was nice. That was relaxing. That being said, I spent a whole lot of money on traveling. Like I moved around. I'm staying in Airbnbs. Paris is expensive. London is expensive. I was in Spain visiting my dad towards the middle second half of the year. Um, you know, I've been traveling in Germany and Amsterdam. These are all expensive places for Airbnbs. Uh, so um, Ukraine is not. Ukraine is really cheap is where I'm recording this, this audio from right now. But certainly, uh, I've looked at my my reporting in my accounting software, Zero, and uh, this this is a report not even to the end of the year. I think it was only till about September, and I was at like sixty thousand dollars total total spent. This is in Canadian dollars. Bear in mind, uh, for airfares and uh, Airbnb related expenses. So you know that's the whole year. Uh, bearing in mind, I'd never lived in my own house this year. I'd basically been doing nothing but living in Airbnbs with a few hotels here and there the entire year. So um, it's a, definitely a different experience. I, I have to say I'm loving it. Uh, I wouldn't do it forever but I, or all the time, but I'm certainly enjoying uh, the freedom. And thank you, Airbnb, for making such a great service. I have to say it is fantastic. So moving into the second half of the year, uh, by this time, I've had a unique experience. I've kind of fallen in love a bit with Ukraine. And I have to tell you, this shocked me. So I landed in Ukraine. Um, I was traveling with a good friend of mine named Olena, who actually works as part of my team as well uh, in graphic design. She's responsible for a lot of the design work on the Laptop Lifestyle Academy sales page. Well, all of it, really, and a lot of my photography. So she's Ukrainian. My dad's Ukrainian, so I'm kind of half Ukrainian. Eurovision's on. I touched down in Lviv, Ukraine for the first time, which is where my kind of like the biggest city where my dad, I think he even went to school here. My grandmother lived here for a while. My grandfather, lots of horrible war stories from, you know, the grandparents age group. I won't go into that now, but I did feel a real uh, pull towards especially this city, Lviv, that I'm in. I, I found, uh, I won't lie to you, I found the, the affordability. It really appealed to me when you can get great food, you know, for lunch and it's going to cost you $3. You can catch an Uber for $3. Your rent for the, the entire month is going to be $500. Um, you know, you can live really comfortably, eat really well, and it's going to cost you $1,000 total for the entire, you know, entire month. So it's on par with kind of living in Thailand. I know a lot of internet marketers do live in Thailand. Uh, Chiang, Chiang Mai is a hugely popular place. Um, lots of my friends have lived there. Chris Ducker has obviously spent lots of, I think he's just still living there, but he's moving to the UK. My friend Gideon Shalwick has spent a bit of time there. It's a hub and it's cheap. And I can tell you, Ukraine, especially Lviv where I am, just as cheap. Uh, obviously different culture, different sort of lifestyle in terms of it's not hot. It's got the more temperate kind of climate going from cold to hot like Canada has. But it's been um, a special kind of experience for me also to see the history. It's a beautiful city in terms of architecture. It's got its rough points. It's obviously, you know, an ex-Soviet country. It's got a lot of uh, corruption. Um, There's issues with, you know, inflation, unemployment, all the classic sort of things going on through a transition. 
but it's been just very uh, eye-opening and overall a great experience to, to spend some time this year here. Now, what really got me excited about uh, Lviv is the price of houses too. So once I realized I, I really enjoyed being here, and also when I looked on a map and I was like, hmm, Lviv is kind of like right next to you know everything in Europe you'd want to see. It's a two hour flight to anywhere. So I can basically go to London, to Paris, to um, you know Madrid, uh, Amsterdam, uh, Copenhagen, Berlin, all these places are two hours, an hour to two hours away flying. Plus you can catch your rail uh, or trains in between all the cities. So it's a gateway to Europe. It's cheap. Um, it's actually not in the Eurozone yet. It's not part of the European Union. So it actually for my visa, because I'm a Canadian and Australian, so I don't, can't really live in Europe right now. But because Europe and Ukraine are separate, you can do three months in Europe and three months in Ukraine. And you could even do three months in the UK because that's also not part of the, the Schengen zone if you want to look into visas. So it makes for uh, I know easy traveling and you, know, you can extend your, your visits based on moving around. Can't stay in one place for too long, but it does give you flexibility. And the price of apartments is, or houses, property is quite cheap. And I should also mention location-wise before I dive into property, it's only a 12-hour flight to Tokyo, to Japan. You know, also uh, Singapore and, and Korea, certainly Russia, if you want to go to Russia. I was most excited about Japan because I do really like Japan. And Japan is kind of like a gateway for both Canada and Australia for me. I can go north to Canada and it's nine hours or I can go south to Australia and it's nine hours. So Japan is a great sort of central point for those two places. And it's only 12 hours away to the east from where I am now in Ukraine. And America and Canada are only 12 hours away roughly as well from here. So I can go west and be in Toronto or New York. And then, of course, you know, I can go to L.A. and um, Vancouver for 12 hours. It's about about nine hours to get to uh, New York and Toronto and about 12, 13 hours to uh, Vancouver and L.A. and San Francisco and so on. So it's it's really kind of in terms of my world where I like to be in the States and Canada and I like to be in Australia. It's a great position geographically speaking so i thought you know what i might get an apartment here especially taking advantage of the low prices plus there's a feeling in this city and my my father who came with me and visited this year really uh, reiterated this he said to me that it feels like lviv is like brisbane where i was born in australia when he first arrived in brisbane so he arrived in 1978 and brisbane was you know a very a much smaller city kind of growing you could see the the spark of something beginning property prices were cheap my dad bought the house he still lives in right now for about sixty two thousand dollars i think i remember him telling me that story and now that house is like a seven hundred thousand dollar house 30 40 years later so it feels like that you know the, there's great food here there's a coffee shops uh there's a huge tech scene after China and India, Ukraine has actually got like the most outsourced tech services and Lviv is the third largest city for tech. Uh, and they're paid really well locally. Uh, they can earn, you know, a thousand, two thousand US dollars a month. And that's like living like a king for a local Ukrainian. And obviously that's why a lot of Canadians and American and Australian and UK companies are outsourcing their development work to here. So you can sort of see that happening as well. So a lot of pluses to being in this city plus i just enjoyed it and that's what led to me uh, deciding to purchase a property so i went to house hunting with a uh, a new friend of mine uh, i met elena's cousin named andre he's been a great uh, contact really helpful guy and he comes into my story a little later on as well with something else and uh, he he helped me uh, big time with property shopping and the idea is simple, to buy an apartment close to the city that can double as a residence when I want to be in Europe and have a base here and a great Airbnb rental when I'm not. Uh, Airbnb prices here are incredibly, in terms of uh, the ratio of the purchase price of the property to how much rent you can get on Airbnb, very good. So to give you an idea, I bought a, a property for uh, 40000 American dollars for a two-bedroom apartment, kind of like almost downtown, which is obviously crazy if you're used to Canada, America, Australia, UK prices. That's just, you'd pay 10, 20 times as much for the same thing in those cities. Um, 
it is an older property. So, you know, I've looked, I've, I've spent almost as much again in, in, in uh, renovations, doing a full-blown modern renovation, and that's probably going to cost another twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So, uh, you know, all said and done, I'll probably spend $70,000 on a property, which is still ridiculously cheap for a two-bedroom apartment in the city. And the Airbnb return, uh, I obviously can't confirm this yet because it hasn't gone on the market, but I'm pretty confident once we get the really modern fit out, which is kind of rare. That's one thing to point out about Lviv in Ukraine is the architecture, the interior of buildings here. It's kind of uh, old. <laughs> I won't say it's super old. It's kind of more like Austrian old style. It, this uh, part of the world is has been Polish, has been Ukrainian, has been heavily influenced by the Austrian Empire back when, when they were in charge. And a lot of sort of upper class wealthy, even I think royalty uh, of, of sorts used to have uh, houses and, and, you know, big mansions here in Lviv. So you can see some impressive buildings and there's certainly a lot of that kind of architecture style. And it is, it's lovely to look at on the outside. It's not my taste on the inside, very high ceilings, a um, bit old with the decor. So when you find a place with sort of American, modern, Western style interior, that's kind of rare. So it's a real uh, a point of appeal for an Airbnb apartment to have that, which means you can uh, basically, easy, well, I wouldn't say easily, and this is obviously something I want to test, but all the tourists, and there's quite a lot of tourists coming into the city, that's the kind of place where you know an American, a Westerner will want to get straight away because that's what they're used to. That's what they expect, something nice, modern. That's what I wanted. I always look for the modern places on the interior, and they're hard to find here. So that's a, something you can create. That's what I'm creating with my apartment. And you can earn, our theory is, up to $1,000 US a month from a property you know, that's costing you, well, 40000 down plus the renovation costs. So um, it's, it's a pretty good ratio. We'll see how it all pans out. You know, worst case scenario, I've got a place that is uh, going to. <laughs> this is what I find crazy. I'm gonna if if the the theory works, if it actually holds true that on average, you know, depending on occupancy rates and how much we get, it does bring in about a thousand dollars a month in in money. That's gonna give me the same kind of rental return that my two bedroom apartment in Brisbane, Australia, which cost half a million dollars is bringing in, uh, in rental return after you consider all the expenses that go along with it. So it's locking in one fifth of the capital for the same return that I'm getting from the capital in Australia for my property. So I really felt like I should sell my Australian property, unlock that capital and get the same return here and have a place in Europe. So that's the strategy. Plus, hey, I want to do it for fun. Um, I, I really am excited about this city. If this city, this country gets into the European Union, which it's trying to do, it's on track to do that. Um, if a lot of things change in terms of freeing up financial markets, getting better lending, uh, influx of you know new tourists, it, the property prices will also go up. So it's it's hard to see it as a bad investment long term. That's for sure. Um, but if anything, it will just prove as a very practical base for traveling through Europe uh, when I'm here. And there's another reason why I have to be here because I've started uh, a business here. And now I'm not going to talk too much about this because frankly, it's in embryonic stages and it I don't even know whether it's going to go through 100%. It, it may take all kinds of different shapes or forms, but if it goes the way I think it probably will, I will be basically, I am a co-founder in a solar energy company here in Ukraine. So Andri uh, is the one who introduced me to an opportunity here in Ukraine, which is a bit unique. The Ukrainian government is offering a tariff, a feed-in tariff for green energy. So wind, solar, uh, geothermal, I think, and water. And he, uh, because of his previous employment and a lot of his contacts here, has uh, uh, has a very clear path to make a solar company work. We have basically all the people we need and all the contacts we need. And, and the projects are well and truly underway. We've got land we're building. Uh, we will be looking to build next year. If, if things go well, we still need funding and things like that. But um, it will lead to uh, a completely new business. And I will have to tell you, I was very excited when it came up because it's something new. It's physical in the real world. Well, I've done mostly digital businesses. 
uh, it's environmental. I'm you know, very big on helping the planet if I can. This is possibly one of the best ways to do it. It's helping Ukraine, which is great because you know I've got my family history here and they need to get uh, more independent with their energy sources. It's green energy and it's financially lucrative because of the timing, because of this special tariff that the Ukraine is paying the government for this energy. Now, obviously, as people have constantly asked me every time I talk about this business, they feel very worried for me because it's Ukraine. And what about Russia, what they're doing here in Crimea? What about, you know, the corruption? What about the currency uh, crashing, all the, all the protests, the Maidan protests just a few years ago, the changes of government? The shorter answer is there's a lot of risk. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't call it major risk now that I've been here and I know where Lviv is and I, I know all about the feed-in tariff. So I feel probably way more comfortable than certainly my family does. Uh, telling my, my family in Canada, they were, they're, they're concerned about me doing anything business-wise in Ukraine. And I've also come up against a few, a few walls when I talk to people and, and uh, you know, even hint at possibly asking for it if they know someone to invest. They're all like, yeah, it's going to be a stretch to get someone to invest in a project in Ukraine. If you're doing it in Canada or Germany or Australia or America, no problem. But uh, Ukraine, we're, it's got a bad rep. So that's been a challenge. But I will have to say, you know, I would not even consider it if I hadn't lived here now for several months, uh, you know, a couple of times this year. Uh, plus, I trust my business partner. That's obviously a huge part of uh, starting new business. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. And uh, as I said, though, it's super early days, so I'm not sure where it's going to end up. It will be interesting to talk about this at the end of 2018, uh, the the wrap in, in that, that year of where the solar project is. But if it goes the way I want it to go, it will be kind of like a 20-year business. It's a simple business. You put up solar panels, the sun shines, and you make revenue. So um, not complicated. And thanks to the feed-in tariff, it can be quite a good return on investment, fairly stable. And uh, it's paid out in euros in this case, not the Ukrainian uh, hryvna. So it's, you know, another, it's a stable currency, although it probably should be paid out in cryptocurrencies at the moment. <laughs> Might be the future there. So that's, uh, that's the other, the, the big new project that started here. So I will tell you, at the start of this year, I did not expect myself to be living in Ukraine. I did not expect myself to be buying a property or starting a business here. Uh, but I've really... Uh, followed a few doors that opened up and I'm excited about them uh, and uh, that's that's why those things happened and um, I'm actually using the proceeds from or some of my proceeds from cryptocurrency investing to do the solar business so it feels like a nice way to kind of transfer what you might call gambling lucky money from speculative cryptocurrency investment to a new business something physical in the real world that gives back but it's also lucrative should be quite stable assuming there's no you know political issues and uh or no wars breaking out that's probably the only major possibility there um yeah so that's that's something very exciting so that kind of brings us up to the sort of towards the end of the year now uh just to kind of continue the dot points i've got down for you guys here so once I made the decision that I was, uh, you know, doing well, there's a lot of things happened. My cryptocurrency investments continued to go up. Um, I did a bit of traveling through Germany, went to Upreneur Conference in London. And while all this is happening, I'm kind of making a choice. I'm going, you know what? I want to focus my time, my creative time on this change manifesto book. I want to do it now. So I, I made the choice towards the middle half of the end of the year to not release the flagship course formula product and put that on the back burner. It might happen in 2018, we'll see. And instead release another course in the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. So same plan as I did with Services Arbitrage, release a short course and again teaching something I've wanted to teach for years which is the various email funnels that power my business. So I've already mentioned in this podcast how important funnels are to the automatic sales I make. You know, the, the sort of regular routine cash flow comes from recurring membership sale, uh, well, recurring membership rebills and uh, ongoing sales of my products because of automated funnels that people are, you know, going through, getting educated, getting free training, and then buying my eBooks, my flagship course, my short courses, and and the membership site. So I wanted to teach the main emails that's that are running behind the scenes, which led to the creation of a new course called Emails Revealed, 
and uh, I've actually, I think it was about um, two months ago, we wrapped up that campaign. So that happened around third uh, third quarter of 2017. Same story. We we opened up the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. The main hook, the main kind of launch campaign was around emails revealed as a new training. But to get it, you had to become a Laptop Lifestyle Academy member. So you get the new course, plus you get the other new course services arbitrage, plus all the stuff inside Laptop Lifestyle Academy, which has become... Uh, you know, a fairly substantial online community because each time we do this, we, you know, we're adding another 100 or so members, community's growing, we're getting more success stories coming out as people have been members for a longer period of time. You're probably going to start seeing a few of those case studies and testimonials rolling out next year as well as we start to highlight some of our, our new graduates, new people, you know, doing really well with their online businesses. Okay, so that that kind of wrapped up the big launches for me, the the training courses uh, while that was happening, I also told my team that I am going to be writing this book. So it's time to get serious with the transition. Now, Laura, who is my fantastic project manager slash she was my hiring manager. She's kind of like my second in command at the moment. She actually uh, went to work at an island as an island manager for a good chunk of time this year. And she went down to kind of bare minimum hours with us. She was really only here and there for an hour or two. Just uh, I wouldn't say she quit, but she was not really doing a whole lot for uh, you know managing things. And, and that was fine. She told me she was going to do that. Plenty of warning. Uh, and, and she's fantastic. But she decided that she wanted to leave that island job after a year. And that was due to wrap up around about, I think, October, November. So it was just good timing also to say, okay, Laura's coming back on board for more time. And let's do a proper strategic meeting with all of my team about how we can look at 2018 and change this business to become almost completely self-reliant. So not relying on me to do anything. Obviously, I will certainly be around and uh, I, I want to spend my time releasing my book, writing my book and releasing my book. And that's my focus for 2018. So to make that work, I want my team to be comfortable managing the business uh, almost entirely without me during that time. So I'm, I began this process with them to look at how we can make that transition. So we had a big strategy discussion through our Slack channels and uh, I basically kind of told everyone to become more responsible for the company. So it's been an interesting psychological shift, I think, for the whole team as well, because it's no longer looking at your job as in here's some tasks that Yarrow supplies to you, go do them, uh, which to be fair is not what everyone does. My client care team has been quite autonomous for most of the year, um, but we wanted to really take that to the next level and have people take ownership to have people kind of have goals, look at their stats, get clear on how they're making an impact on the business, really get a feel for their role in the company and as a team plan strategically what to do next and implement tactically the things we need to do to make those things happen. Uh, one of those things that for me is very exciting and very interesting is having my team coordinate and roll out a launch basically without me. Never, I've never in the history of my business done that. I've always been the linchpin, the, the lead of a launch. So it'd be, it's going to be great fun to see how that rolls out next year with my team being more in charge of that process than me. So we broke up into, uh, well, we did this strategic, sec uh, this strategic session, and then the conclusion of that actually was breaking my team up into sort of sub-teams. So what we have now in my company are a content team, which is basically going to drive the engine of content production, recycling, re repurposing, distribution through social, through email. And that's that's really our traffic engine. And that hasn't changed. We've always had that as a traffic engine, but we're going to try and really do a bit more there with what we already have. There's so much good content in my business that's not really unlocked. It's not being well distributed. And that's that's mostly my fault because I've been, you know, moving away to other things. I'm not writing as many emails as I used to. I used to send, you know, at least a, a weekly newsletter. Sometimes now I've been going for a whole month without writing a newsletter. So there's a lot of ways to make use of some great stuff that we have that's just never gone out there. We have so much content that just hasn't been released to the public as well. So we're, we've built a team around that. 
We've got a launch team, which is currently working on the first launch they're going to do as a team next year. We've got a design team who is working on finally rolling out a new version of EJ. Had a lot of troubles behind the scenes with that project, which I won't go into during this podcast. But finally, we're getting some progress to release a new version of Entrepreneur's Journey. And we've got kind of myself and Laura as a leadership team. Really, Laura's the the main leader to to check in on all teams and just you know make sure everything is moving forward so this is a big experiment this is still very new we've literally done this in the last month since i'm recording this podcast here in december of 2017 so that's that's big part of next year's plan and seeing how that rolls out and i'm really excited about it i'm i'm the ironic thing is i've handed off all this responsibility to the team it's made me more excited to want to work with the team <laughs> to see it happen. So I have to uh, hold myself back on some level too because I want my team to not only take responsibility but to to sort of drive it and get the rewards of making decisions, seeing things work, and, and that's uh, you know taking ownership for real. And that's something that you know we're excited to see if it works. Um, I, I have no doubt I will still be very much involved. Uh, it, I do want to create that flagship uh, course formula training uh, that's something that I would you know still be the main trainer for um, but we're going to see certainly in the first half of 2018 how how this all comes together with the team doing that so look out for all kinds of new stuff coming from us you should probably already see more content rolling out because the content team is starting to get into gear with that so that kind of sums up where uh, my business EJ is as at the moment so Right now, I'm sitting here with a new solar energy business about to uh, possibly roll out. Like I said, it's still embryonic and it could go either way. But if things go well, that'll start rolling out first quarter of next year. Uh, first quarter of next year, my team will be rolling out things and they, they'll be doing it you know, with way more autonomy. And I've also uh, looked at my crypto stats. And as I uh, stand here recording this, um, about 500% gains in one year in the money invested. Um, I've never in my life had something multiply by five times in one year as an investment. This blows away anything. This is obviously a unique moment in time. Uh, as I wrote on Facebook, which kind of was the trigger for this whole podcast after Manny suggested it to me, uh, I wrote in that Facebook post how... In the past, I, I kind of lived through two bubbles, uh, you know, what, what, what a bubble is, an investment bubble or a stock market bubble. So as an adult, uh, I think I lived through another bubble as a kid, but I don't, don't remember those because I was a kid. I think that was the 1989 stock crash when I was eight years old. But the ones I do remember living through was the dot-com boom, uh, sort of 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. That's when I sort of saw that happening. And, you know, I, I had very, very little money. You know, I'm, I'm, I started that 18, 19 years old and I may have had $3,000 to my name. I did buy a few tech stocks and I did make a few thousand dollars, then lose a few thousand dollars when the bubble burst. But it wasn't like a big impact on me. It, it was something if I had way more money, I probably could have ridden that bubble, maybe lost it all, especially at that age, I probably would have. Uh, but if I did it now, I probably would have pulled out once I'd made a few, you know, 100%, 200%, 300%. Uh, so I didn't get to experience that. Then in 2008, which was the GFC, so that was because of the you know subprime mortgage lending crisis and all the you know the Lehman Brother crash and the whole global economy and certainly the housing market in the in the states blowing up. Uh, I was in a unique situation because I was actually traveling around the world. Surprise! But that was the first time I ever did a round the world trip, and I was in the middle of what I would call my golden years for uh, selling products online. It was the first golden year period. I probably had a couple, but that was the first time, uh, the first kind of years where I started doing multiple six figures. I was selling my course, my two courses, almost three actually by the end of that year. And I was in a hustle, teach, travel mode. Uh, I was making good money, but I was thinking this money is going to pay off, you know, the mortgage on my house and maybe buy another one. Uh, I wasn't thinking investment. I was thinking business growth and uh, mortgage payments. That's how I how I thought at the time. So, um, excuse me, when the dot com, no, sorry, the GFC happened, I, I remember sort of being in between travels, I think, in uh, in Canada and America at the time, maybe Europe. Anyway, I remember seeing it happen. 
I had no exposure to it whatsoever financially. I did have concerns that it might impact my business, but I think it might have even had a net positive effect if that's possible because people went looking for new income streams. They wanted to start online businesses and I was an online business coach. So I benefited possibly from that that shift uh, in, in, in wealth. I, I certainly did not invest. That's what I should have done in hindsight was after everything crashed, I should have jumped in, you know, Warren Buffett style, uh, buy when everyone is scared and, and don't buy when everyone's in, in, in a frenzy of buying. So I missed those two bubbles in terms of taking advantage or losing big time. It was really both of them were kind of like very small or minor or almost no impact on me. So with this cryptocurrency bubble, if we are to say it's a bubble, I, I really certainly do believe it is a a bubble in the sense that there will be a, a crash in value simply because of the sheer volume of gains happening. Uh, that means at some point there will be a huge volume of profits being taken out, which will lead to a, a massive adjustment in price. Uh, as everyone right now, as I record this, it'd be you know be great fun to listen to this again six months, 12 months time and see where a cryptocurrency is because uh, more and more people are talking about it. It feels like it's getting now close to the mania phase. If you want to look at uh, bubble curves, you can look at the, the the life cycle of a bubble and see it go through like, you know, the early adopter phase and upwards to this mania phase. And then it starts to crash. And, you know, then it, then it goes to a place where it actually is valued based on what the value it contributes to society is. And that will be when you'll start to see, you know, the true long-term stable cryptocurrency impact the companies and the tokens and the coins that will actually uh, do things and change the world. I think right now it's mostly speculation. So I've benefited from it. And I will tell you right now, I have pulled out already half of my profits. So even if everything crashed to zero right now, I would still be up about 300% on the year. And as I said earlier, uh, I plan to use a lot of that funding to go into my solar company. So I, I love I love the the connection there from riding a bubble and possibly a bubble that uses a lot of energy because there's a lot of talk about cryptocurrency mining uh, taking up a lot of electricity resources right now. So it'd be nice to use some of the funds to put into green energy. I think that's a nice symmetry there. So that kind of wraps up the year. Whew. All right. That was a lot to cover. Uh, I, I want to, first of all, thank you for making it all the way to the end of this podcast. I hope that was insightful. You know, not so much maybe a teaching podcast as much as a real deep dive behind the scenes look at how my year evolved uh, as you can see I don't have necessarily always super concrete plans I tend to um, have you know one or two core goals I want to write a book I want to release a course but the rest of it I'm kind of going to go with the flow a little bit and see where my energy takes me it's one of the benefits of living the laptop lifestyle is having the freedom to do that having the financial resources to do that I did not start this year expecting cryptocurrency income to be what it is. I did not expect this year to lead to Ukraine, a new business and, and spending time here and even looking at, you know, settling or not settling down here, but creating a bit of a base here. Um, I will be, I'm about to begin more travels. Uh, I'm going to be moving on from Ukraine, heading to Germany next. And then, uh, <laughs> again, I haven't got concrete plans, but I, I'm looking at uh, visiting my family actually in Hawaii, possibly traveling through Japan. And uh, there are reasons to be in Canada at the start of the year as well. So plus, I've got so many cool things I want to do next year and also see how all these current things roll out, my team taking over some of these new business projects. I've got the incubated project inside behind the scenes in my team, which I haven't talked about, but we might talk about that in a future podcast. Well, I have talked about it in a future podcast. If you go back and listen to episode four of the solo podcast with me, you can actually get a very clear indication of what that new project is because I frankly just flat out invite you to take part in it. So you can check that out in uh, you know ejpodcast.com forward slash four that's the fourth episode of these solo episodes i think it's four it might be five check it out it's the one on uh email management this one we're doing right now is episode seven i'll double check that but i'm pretty sure that's right episode seven so it will be available from ejpodcast.com forward slash the number seven just seven and uh of course, along with the audio, you can get all the show notes and the transcript to go along with it uh, at my blog, Entrepreneur's Journey. I'd also like to take a moment to invite you to please subscribe on iTunes. Um, I'm, I guess, a bit more of a sporadic podcaster, but I know I've got 
the the loyal fans out there. So if that's you, I really do appreciate the the review in particular. If you can get on iTunes and leave a review, if you benefited ever in the history of this podcast with, from my interviews, from these solo episodes, if you can leave a review, leave some five-star ratings, that just helps me rank higher in iTunes. It means I can reach more people means I get more excited about doing these podcasts. I can get better guests for you. It's a benefit for everyone. Win, win, win. And I really do appreciate the two minutes it takes. If you could open up iTunes, type in Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, and you'll find the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast there. Okay, I'm going to call this podcast over. I uh, look forward to starting 2018 with a bang. I hope you've had a great 2017 with your business. I hope you're excited about 2018 as well. If you take part in any of my training this year, if you join me in Blog Mastermind, if you join my Laptop Lifestyle Academy, you will have a chance to talk to me. I am doing coaching calls or coaching webinars throughout the entire year. It may be the last year I do coaching webinars. So if you want to speak to me, because uh, I might be knee deep in the solar company, uh, you know, other projects and sort of taking a step back from coaching. So if you want to get time with me, definitely 2018 is the year to do it because it could be the very last year, certainly for a while that I'll be doing this kind of coaching, uh, certainly at these kind of lower entry price points too. So uh, look out for all of that. Love to work with you. Good luck with your business next year. And uh, that's it. My name is Yarrow. Thanks for listening to this EJ podcast. And I'll talk to you on the very next episode. Bye, guys. Hi again, this is Yarrow. I'd like to take a moment now to invite you to take part in my flagship course. This is my big training program for people who want to launch a blog as a platform for your entire business. So essentially, it's the main marketing tool you use to build your brand, to grow your email list, and ultimately sell your products and services, which is what I've been doing for over a decade, and all my best case study graduate students have been doing as well. I teach you how to do this inside my Blog Mastermind 2.0 course, which is available now if you go to www.blogmastermind.com. On that page, I break down who the course is for, what's included in the program, how you get coaching from me, everything you need to know to decide whether Blog Mastermind is the right next step for you if you're in a situation to take advantage of the power of blogging as a marketing tool. Once again, that's blogmastermind.com. I'd love to see you in the current updated version of the program. I'll see you on the very next coaching call. 